You're listening to Happy Hour Hustle, a bi-weekly podcast featuring the musings and witty remarks of the one and only Kim Bodie. We can promise at least two terrible jokes out of Kim and at least 10 minutes of incredible thought leadership from some amazing and influential guests. So grab a glass of iced red wine and join us for a wild ride. Here's Kim. Hi, welcome to Happy Hour Hustle. It is a very important episode. This is our 50th episode. Um, you might be able to know by the fact that it is not currently Kim talking, that we are not doing this exactly the traditional way that we do our Happy Hour Hustle episodes. Um, I am Rowan Leo. I've hosted occasionally in the past, and I'm going to host this one because we're going to be interviewing Kim this time instead of the other way around. So first Ooh. off, say hi, Kim. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited. So, Kim, whenever we bring people on the podcast, um, you might not know this since this is your first time being interviewed. I know, <laughs> um, right? Right? It's weird. We ask them what their drink of choice is. So normally we ask what your job is, what your drink of choice is, and how you met Kim. I assume you met Kim at birth, uh, so that was not really applicable. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so let's say, what is your actual title uh, at your place of employment? Owner. And I think people that call themselves CEO of a small business are kind of pretentious. So I am an owner. Um, drink a choice. Man, it's always really been red wine with ice, but um, lately that's been hitting me hard now that I'm 41. So I've been uh, doing some crystal light lemonade, the pink lemonade with uh, some Tito's. And uh, that's, uh, you know, you, you, you got to pace yourself a little bit with that one. But that's been, uh, that's, what I, that's a good summer drink. A little bit more than red wine. Weird. That sounds really good, actually. I'll have to check that out. Um, and then, Kim, just for the sake of consistency, how did you meet me? Let's do that. We'll flip it on you. Ooh, uh, well, a former digital director had narrowed down the search for uh, our new digital associate to two people, and I met both of them, and I immediately knew right off the bat that you were the right pick. So, oh, thanks. And that has been, I don't know how many. Almost two years. Long. Almost two um, years, yeah. I yeah. do meet, remember meeting you for coffee in a coffee shop and you sit yeah, in late and you were like, why yeah. aren't you drinking coffee? And I was like, because I'm awkward and they did an interview. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, and hired. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so typically we do icebreakers on this show, but pretty Us. much everything I'm about to ask you is kind of an icebreaker. So we're going to skip Fantastic. that. Um, Kim, I have outsourced to our team and to the world um, via social media and ask them to give us any questions that they wanted to ask you. Um, we specifically Ooh, said, off limits. Yes, we specifically said nothing is off limits. Um, you would be shocked how tame some of these questions are despite that. I hope you guys like spiced them up a little bit because that's boring. <laughs> oh no, we made them interesting. Um, okay, good. Nobody went for any juicy details. So if you no. need to insert any of those, please feel free. I mean, um, I'm pretty much an open book on that. I think everybody already knows the juicy details. So. <laughs> um, I have split up all of our questions into four different categories. And I'm going to have you pick a category to pull from. So, Kim, we have for fun, we have personal, we have 834 in the industry, and we have dogs. Ooh, let's start out with dogs. All right. What is your favorite dog breed? Oh, Doberman. See? Totally Doberman. Amy submitted that one and said that she had no idea. Um, Really? I mean, I have three Dobermans. (laughs) I feel like the odds, like, I mean, you could kind of, with the math, you could figure that out. But... I will say, now that I have little dogs, I, it is so much easier just to take them places because I can just pick them up instead of the Dobermans like yanking me all over the place. And people are kind of terrified of Dobermans. And even though Sarge has bit more people than any of the Dobermans combined, like all the Dobermans I've ever had, no one's scared of Sarge, well, except for Bree, but that doesn't count. Bree is terrified. Bree kind of like, I mean, 
if you were a little dog, you'd bite her too. So. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mm-hmm. let's ask: Why did you start this podcast? Um, was it because you told me to? <laughs> <laughs> I was I not remember. here. <laughs> oh, so no. Um, you know, I. But I'll this take is the actually. Credit. Yeah, I think we should give you the credit, regardless. Um. I think, so I would do when my, in my first job, which was at the West Michigan Science and Technology Initiative, I was in charge of all of our marketing and I always wanted to do things like really push the envelope. And back in like 2005, like a podcast was pushing the envelope because nobody was doing it. Um, And nobody would like get on board with that. And then I was like, when we started the podcast, like, or we started talking about the podcast again and everyone was doing a podcast and I was like, well, if everyone's doing it, then we should do it. And I was right. Like, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, math is hard. So, and I think a big part of it was to talk about, um, obviously our journey as a company. Um, but also to, to talk about like small businesses and to put small businesses kind of, you know, in the spotlight, because I, even though we are, a ma- major driver of the economy um, throughout the U.S., quite frankly, it's not just in our state, we tend to get uh, kind of the raw end of the deal, like when it comes to really anything, taxes, liability, I mean, it goes on and on. So being able to highlight other small business owners um, is huge. Also, giving women the credit that they deserve because um, there's not enough platforms where women have are able to have a voice um, that is equal. Um, or more amplified than a man. Uh, so that was probably the, the biggest reasons. And obviously to talk marketing. Should I have said that first? <laughs> I think that was implied. I think you're good I mean, on that whatever. <laughs> um, awesome. I'm going to scoop around between some categories here. Uh, let's yeah, say, in what moment did you find um, that find comfort in the uncomfortable became your life motto and also your later tattoo? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think... When okay, so I'll tell you this is a funny story. So I think it was I can from what I can remember when I was working my again my my first marketing job because my first first job was working for GVSU and facilities planning. Um, I think it was knowing that I needed to expand like my personal brand, if you will, or just like network in general. So, and I remember like my um my boss at the time saying, you know, like as a marketing, as a marketing person, it's important that you're like kind of building the brand, but also building awareness out in the community. And that means like going and kind of spreading the word about the organization. So essentially it was going and doing speaking engagements. And I had been in like, I'd done like drama throughout like high school and everything, but it's a lot more intimidating to get up in front of a group of people and like talk about, you know, your job and you're actually your person and you're not embodying somebody else. Um, so my very first speaking engagement was at a nursing home. Uh, majority of the audience slept through it. Um, one guy was definitely drooling uh, the majority of the time. Uh, I think he was alive. I'm not really sure. Um, and it was really just talking about how far Grand Rapids had come because we did a lot of economic development and then talking about like the future of Grand Rapids. And I remember thinking, you've got to start somewhere. So I'm going to start with this group that kind of was probably one of the toughest groups I ever talked to because they really found me boring, apparently. Um, and so uh, that was when I, I promised myself that I would always push myself into situations where I felt uncomfortable because that 
is where growth happens. So whether that is taking on speaking engagements, whether that's going to networking events by yourself, whether that's writing about things that are deeply personal, um, or whether that's doing approaching business and how our agency is modeled in a different way. Um, so because I do think when you get settled or you get comfortable, that's when you're not you're not competitive in the market anymore. And I think as an individual, that's when you kind of start to be, you're not really, you're not really relevant. So. Yeah. You're not growing as a person at that point. Mm-hmm. Look at you with your eloquent answers. I know, right? Um, What's happening? I did not be- know these answers beforehand. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> Kim was not prepped, we promise. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note of bad first experiences that led to better things, what is your worst first date story? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There was this guy that, uh, so there's some good ones. Um, so like this guy told me that I was, I was too thick for him. Um, yeah, that happened. And I was like literally 120 pounds at the time. So that guy was a dick. Um, yeah, yeah, that was it. Oh, I did do match.com for a while. And there were some very interesting dates that came out of that. I'll tell you what, like some people do not look anything like their photos. And so that was like very interesting. I remember one guy took me out to uh, Grand Haven on the back of his motorcycle. And I remember he came to pick me up on a motorcycle, but didn't tell me he was coming to pick me up on a motorcycle. I have an issue with motorcycles, but dude, I was wearing like a skirt. So how was yeah, that going to work? You gotta, like, and like, it's not like I could talk to you. Also, it was a crotch rocket. Those are not comfortable to ride on with two people. So thanks for trying to kill me on our first date. Um, and like, he was just like, really like, I don't know, he was awkward. And I remember he wanted to go eat hot dogs. And I was like, really hot dogs? Like, I hate hot dogs. Like, we all know they're made out of like pig butt. Like, nobody wants to eat that. That's really where we're going to take. I am not high maintenance, but I was like, dude, I have zero. Dis-. And I thought, well, maybe if I just don't eat anything, like he'll take me back sooner. He had zero problem just sitting there eating while I stared at him. And I was like, I got to go home. I got to. I gotta, somebody needs me. I don't, I, I don't know what's happening, but someone definitely needs me. So that's when I decided that you always have to have an out on a date. Mm-hmm. That's why you Even need like that. Know it, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. What so. the heck? Oh, and he brought me flowers, which is kind of a weird, like, I think some women like that, but I was like, you're trying too hard. And but I also don't not think, trying like, enough. <laughs> yeah. But also you're going to bring me flowers and then I'm going to get on your crotch rocket whatever. Oh yeah. yeah, That was, there was a couple of those. I got some real good ones. Mm -hmm. Did you still have the flowers for the time you got to the hot dog stand? No, I gave them to my dad. I was like, put these in a vase. I don't know what to do with this. I said, this is super weird. It's very awkward. That is very weird. He's like, you'll have fun, Kimberly. And I was like, no, I won't. I can already (laughs) tell you. I could immediately tell. And that's the other thing. Always trust your gut. I've always had a very good gut in terms of like, I can sense like things. So yeah, I, I should have just not even gone on that date in the first place. I should have taken the flowers and just shut the door <laughs> or maybe give them them back. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point though, like if you had done that, you would have lost out on such a good story and then yeah, you yeah, like hot dogs and yeah. awkwardness. <laughs> um, yeah. Kim, if, if you had to pick any other profession, what would that profession be? Oh gosh. Uh, that's a police officer, police officer, nice. or I would have been in the military. And in fact, mm-hmm. right almost right out of high school, I interviewed with the Air Force and the Marines. So, and I took, I think I took the entry test for like the Air Force or something. And it was one of those, but my dad then, uh, he, my dad was a former Marine and was very proud of it. Oorah. And so he was like, maybe just try a semester of college and like, you know, don't just do this to do this. Cause I was a bit like, uh, how do you say? Like, 
not like not reactive, but I was, it was a bit like impulsive. Uh, yeah. Impulsive. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Person of many words. <laughs> I am our personal dictionary. That's what I'm mm-hmm. here for. You really are. Um, cool. Then kind of in that same vein, then why did you choose to start your own business? Um, in terms of 834. That's a great question. Um, because women can't really have leadership roles. Uh, I think your age plays against you, your gender plays against you. Um, you know, it's, and it's like this across, I mean, this is not a new topic for me to talk about. I mean, you know, women don't have the same opportunities, um, that are the, that a lot of men do. Um, and I think, I knew that I was never going to achieve the letter of level of leadership that I wanted unless I did it myself. So that's really why I started 834. I knew there was a better way to deliver marketing services. And I also knew that um, I wanted to be my own boss. because so I was sick of my, my career being controlled by white men. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty decent reason. Um, yeah. We know that right now you're totally like badass in marketing. Mm-hmm. So, but when you were a kid, did you have anything that you wanted to be when you were like super little, like a toddler? Um, I don't remember toddler years, but I do remember I used to play office all the time. Um, and like, I would like shuffle papers and like, I had my little desk and like, I had a file cabinet and everything. So I don't know why that appealed to me or I thought that was so cool. You know how some kids played with like dolls? I was mm-hmm. like, I'll play office, you know? But I remember <laughs> thinking like, and this is, this is interesting to me as a little girl, that role, I wasn't the boss. I was the secretary. I was an admin. And mm-hmm. I think that we are often, we often have, and because of what we see around us, the examples we see around us, I think we, we even at a, at young ages, we don't have our sights set where they should be because we, A, don't see like, it, like females that embody that around us, or um, we're not encouraged to do those things. We're encouraged to be a mom, or we're encouraged to maybe, you know, be an office. And there's nothing wrong with being though, like any of those things, but like, why aren't we encouraged to go run a company or encouraged to be president of the United States? So um, I think, you know, that's, that's interesting. I, I never really thought about that, but yeah, I was always the secretary. Mm, it makes sense. I mean, when you're a kid, like the toys that are labeled for girls are always mm-hmm. like cooking sets yeah. and dolls yeah, sure. and yeah. babies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that gets into gender. That could be a whole other thing. Oh, I had a talking, <laughs> I had a talking baby one time that I wanted so badly and it was the creepiest thing ever. I hated that thing. Was like it, it the kind never that shut like, up. Was it the kind that like, just like too. Ch- yes, yes. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, it's not saying what I want it to say. This is not working out for me. Even then I was controlling. So I remember <laughs> I just threw it in the attic and I never touched it again. Every you once in a while you'd hear it talking. That's not creepy at all. That is terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it really wonderful was. though. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So in terms of like waking up in the middle of the night to terrifying things, you said that you never drank before you're 21. Um, That's true. So first off, was red wine your first true love or do you start with something else? Uh, um, Amaretto sours. Gross, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, I I started out where probably a lot of like teenagers start out, but that's really where I was at like 21. Um, I didn't drink wine at all. Uh, Jose Cuervo. I would drink just that out of a bottle. He's not smart. Also horrible tequila. (laughs) We all know this. Unless it's Jose Cuervo sober, then that's like, I mean, I was drinking like, what's the bottom Jose Cuervo? We all know it's like not the right color. It's just bad. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and then a lot of white Russians until I threw up off like from, from drinking too many. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I remember I used to drink about the Bob 
Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And then that's like white Russians. Gross. Right. Yeah. When did when did you first ice your red wine then? That's a great question. So when I started going to these networking events, I realized they don't have hard liquor at them and they certainly do not have amaretto. So what was I going to drink? So I was like, I don't like wine. So I, so I, I slowly eased myself into like drinking wine, whether it was like, I think it started out with like, Oh, I remember I started out with white Zin. That was my first kind, but again, they don't really serve that at networking events. So weird. Such a, you know, a high quality wine um and so then i started drinking i think it was like like chardonnay and then i moved to like pinot grigio and i would put ice in all of them because it was the only way i could stomach it and then i remember thinking you know what's classier red wine a lot of people do red wine so i'll try that and then i was like well i put ice in my my white so why would not i put ice in my red so yeah that's really what started. And it started when I was probably easily 26, 27. I also never used to drink coffee until, and then I was like, this is what business people drink. I must drink this. Like, I remember thinking that that's how I started drinking wine and drinking coffee. I was like, well, for me to be a real business person, I have to drink coffee. Like, cause that's what they do. So, so you gave into peer pressure is what you're telling me. hundred percent. I was like, well, this people look very like professional when they're drinking coffee in meetings. Like they've got their mugs and everything. It was like playing office as a, as a grown up. That's how I felt for the longest time. I kind of still do. Oh, that imposter syndrome. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, speaking about business, what is one company that you would love to do marketing for that we don't Mark currently Fox. do marketing? Yes. Mark they're Not hilarious. Tito's? Tito's too, obviously, but like BarkBox, um, they tweeted me back one time and I've never been so excited in my life. And I told them, (laughs) I literally did tweet. I said, whoever does your marketing is a genius. Um, And also I would love to help. And they just said, thank you or whatever, but didn't take me up on the offer. I remember they had this one thing in one of their boxes and it looked like a male anatomy Oh, so, oh, it was a, oh, it was a pig, a pig butt with like the tail. And so people like, they, they didn't intend for it to look like bad, you know, the male anatomy part, but that's how everyone saw it. And my, like, they could have easily been like, oh God, like, you know, like we, instead they embraced it and like just totally went along with it and made it this huge thing. And it, and it's still to this day, it's one of their highest selling toys. That's and it awesome. looks like a, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love you censoring yourself on your own podcast. By yeah, the way. I didn't know if I could say penis. So, well, now it's I your podcast. Now you did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, talking about let's get let's say talking about dogs. I'll make that clear that that change shift there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Chris Andrews for this one. Um, what is it about dogs that makes them so much better than people, Kim? Oh my gosh, they love you unconditionally. They don't care what you look like. They don't care like if you're grumpy or you're like what I mean, they just love you unconditionally. And I think all humans at their most basic level just want to feel accepted and dogs do that. Um, I remember, so Bentley was my numero uno um, and he was with me in some of the toughest points of my life. And um, I could always count on them, you know, like, and that's that I think people think that sounds silly, but I mean, you're a cat person. You feel the same way. Like, you know, they, they cats are a little bit more, you know, picky, although kind of like probably maybe dogs are just dumber. Who's to say, um, but like they do, they love you. They love you unconditionally. Um, and he could always sense, he could always sense when I wasn't like when I was in a mood or when I needed something and they're just good for your overall mental state personally, Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, I mean, Sarge every morning makes me smile. I mean, Joey's like right in my face every morning waking me up. So, and Parker, all he wants is love. So, you know, it's just, they're just, they are, they're better than people. No offense to anyone, but they are. And then Sammy throws up downstairs and it's a great way to start the morning. Or poop. Yeah, poops everywhere. She knows what she does though. And then she hides. I mean, wouldn't like you? They have, they totally can feel all ranges of emotion. They really can. Like, they know when they disappoint you or when they think mm-hmm. you're going to be disappointed. So. Oh, that's the worst when you like step on a dog and they act like they've done something wrong. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, no. like you just, yeah, like you murdered their best friend. Yeah. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of your life, I'm, yes. these are terrible segues, but I'm trying so hard. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so you grew up in Allendale, as we all I know. I did. And now you work in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and you live in Grand Rapids. So yes. if you had to live anywhere that wasn't in Michigan, where would you live? New York City. That was fast. Why New I York? Um, I love the hustle and the bustle. Um, first of all, let's be clear, like it's not a self-sustainable city. So I would be terrified to leave, live there because of EMPs. And that's a whole nother topic that we won't get into. But if that was not a threat to, to our world, I would totally live there. So, and I think it's because like every, um, I visit, I have visited pretty like quite a bit and I had one of our clients, um, we ended up going there and doing like a series of like media, um, like visits and stuff like that with like bigger, like self magazine and glamor magazine. And it was just like the hustle and bustle. It just like, maybe it, it's a bit romanticized in my head and I'm sure it kind of is, but I also have a, um, a former intern that works for, you know, worked for billboard, um, and, and literally went, um, there and like loves it. And so I got to go visit her and see how much, you know, how much she loves it. And I remember her saying, um, that 834 really gave her like the foundation and the work ethic and the experience, um, to kind of like tackle what their job was and that they learned so much from it. And to me, that was like success because a lot of people are like, well, you never left Michigan. And I remember in, in college when everyone was graduating, they were all leaving. And I was like, it's so hard to build your network. Like if you just Mm -hmm. bounce someplace else and then come back, like you're just further behind. So I remember thinking, you know, I'm just going to stick around and see what I can do here. And I don't have any regrets for not moving out of state or doing anything like that. Um, But yeah, like if I, if I could, I would work for, uh, I'd I'd work for an agency in New York city. And it'd be, I mean, the hour, just imagine the hours, like it'd be 24 seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. Imagine managing social in New York. Like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, um, that's what my former intern does. So like she became their social media, like and digital manager, like she's a badass. Like that's, that's just awesome. It, yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. Also, you mentioned the EMP, please give us the book recommendation that you are very subtly mm. alluding to. <laughs> um, so it's called one second after, and it's written by a Harvard professor. So you can't like tell me it's any conspiracy theory crap because it's actually true. <laughs> and also if you read, Oh, is it Dan Brown? I think it's Dan, well, Dan Brown or Brad Thor. Almost all of his books write about EMPs. So it's a real threat, people. Um, so, and it means electric magnetic pulse. And if that were to be detonated, this is so, this is so creepy. Now we've just gone into weird, like Kim conspiracy theory or like. And I love it. Yeah. Um, above our Earth's atmosphere, it doesn't even have to be far up. It will send us back to the dark ages. Like mm-hmm. no technology will work anymore. All of our cars, computerized everything's computerized. Like everything we use has a computer in it. So yeah. And then think about like cities, like that's why I mentioned New York city cities like New York city, where 
they have everything shipped in. And so they're not like sustainable. So suddenly they have no access to food or fresh water or all of that stuff. So yeah, that's why Michigan's a good place to live. <laughs> I mean, it's that's that why I chose ocean. to stay here. Yes. 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 <laughs> say it. Yeah, yeah. 11. Yeah. Where uh, Basher sets off the, the pinch he calls it. Yeah. It's like the mm-hmm. exact same thing and chaos breaks loose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, I got a pop culture reference. Are you happy? Yeah, I am actually very happy. That's probably your first ever. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's in our momentous episode here so we mm-hmm. can keep track of it. 50th. <laughs> um, Kim, what is your worst ever vacation story? Oh, probably when I got married in Mexico because <laughs> it was a terrible idea. <laughs> oh. uh, that was terrible. Actually, you know what? And, and this should have been my first clue that it wasn't going to work out. It was during the swine flu. Remember the swine flu? Oh, yeah. We did get a really good deal though and got upgraded because like no one else was showing up there because of the swine flu. Um, the, the resort itself was absolutely beautiful, um, was amazing. But yeah, like I married someone that was terrible. So that wasn't great. It was, so I say worse, but also kind of best because my brother still talks about that as like his best vacation ever. And I was like, you do realize like that marriage didn't last. And you know, like my, oh, the, the, the dude I married was, um, he got so intoxicated the night before that, like he was, he projectile vomited all over our room and I had to clean all that up. And then about an hour before the wedding, um, he basically got water splashed on him and shoved in the shower. And then he profusely sweated through the whole like ceremony. So it was super romantic. It was great. And then he didn't drink it all because like he obviously was dying. So what a good catch. Yeah. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a great vacation, but also a fun vacation, but just not a great outcome probably. Yeah. We'll go with that. I mean, at least you had fun as Mm -hmm. terrible as it wound up being. It was on a beach. I mean, how bad could it have been? That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Why Mexico? Why get married down there? Uh, destination wedding. And I was like, I don't want to have a big wedding. Um, I didn't really want to have a wedding regardless. Um, but, uh, he was kind of a diva, so he really wanted one. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, like I just, you know, I didn't, I, I figured like, if you want to come cool, if you can't cool, but I thought it'd be more fun to like, also like think about my job. I was in marketing. So if you're playing, like if you're in marketing and you also do events, for like a living, like you wouldn't like the, the pressure you would put on yourself to make sure like it was the best thing ever. Like I was like, I have zero desire to do that. Cause it shouldn't be about the event. It should be about the marriage. I failed on that the first time, the second time I got it right. So that's all that matters. There you go. That's, that's why you have a mulligan, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right, let's stay on the topic of regrets. What is your biggest regret and your biggest accomplishment as it relates to your professional career? Um, biggest regret. Not a loaded Um, question at all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say, and this probably sounds cliche. I don't know that I really have any regrets because 834 wouldn't be where it is if I hadn't had all the failures that I had. Um, and trust me, I made a lot of mistakes in terms of management and hiring and, you know, clients. And I mean, I, you know, you, you don't own a business for 13, 14 years and not make some, or not like seriously fuck stuff up. So, um, but I think it, it set clarity for like where we are now and in, in, in the, the team that we have now, um, which is the best team I've ever worked with, uh, or had worked for me. And I think, so I wouldn't say, oh, and there's some colossal failures in there. I mean, but I wouldn't <laughs> say like, I have any, I don't regret them. Um, I think that I learned from them. Uh, and then biggest professional, I think the, 
one of the things, and you guys hear me talk about this a lot. One of the things I'm probably the most proud of is um, the when Adrian, Adrian, Dr. Adrian Wallace um, worked for me uh, or worked with me. Uh, we did a big event for Art Prize, and we launched like twenty five thousand lanterns into like like you know the. The, over the skyline of um, Grand Rapids, the Grand Rapids sky. Mm -hmm. And we literally did everything ourselves. I mean, we did all the logistics. I got like the permits I did. I managed like the city. I managed like the crisis communication, the public relations, the social media, the volunteers, like we did everything. And when we lit those and like people, you know, they went above the sky. I remember like I was standing on like the little stage and I was talking to everybody. I was like, okay, and we're going to count down. And you know, like there's always one asshole that just lets it, just let it go first, which I called them out. I probably shouldn't have on the mic, but it's fine. There were small children there. Um, it was also <laughs> late at night. Don't have your children there. It's anyway. So we, um, when they all went up collectively, I mean, that was pretty much the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I remember turning around and looking at it and thinking this last three months of absolute hell to get to this point, that was all worth it. And within or less than honestly 12 hours, because it was the last day you could vote um, for the top 10, um, it it ended up in like being, you know, it ended up being in the top 10 and ended up being like a one of the finalists, I think. So, and that to me, something that was like such a performance piece and was it had never been done at Art Prize before and was completely driven by social media and digital and marketing, quite frankly, was was cool. And it was me. It was Adrian and it, we had like five or six interns. So like people always say, you know, like want to underestimate you and say you can't do things or tell you things are impossible. And I really, I totally, and I experienced this. If you believe in yourself and you, you know, you know, failure relies solely upon yourself, then you'll, it'll, you know, failure's not bad by the way, but you know, you'll make it happen. You just, you can't listen to the naysayers because everybody's going to tell you that you can't do something. I mean, I had people telling me that since the very beginning. And, you know, my, my dad worked at GM for 30 years. He wanted me to have insurance and benefits. That was a big thing from, you know, the boomer generation. That's all that mattered to them was like, you know, they, they, there was a great depression and all this that they had to deal with. And so not that my dad's that old, but, you know, <laughs> so a big thing was like, uh, you know, just having that safety net. And I think that that's what's very different about the generations that have kind of come after because we're not afraid to take risk. And, and those risks look very differently than a risk our parents would have taken or did take, or if they took any. Yeah, absolutely. As a child of a boomer and a Gen Xer, I can 100% mm -hmm. back you up on both of those statements. Yeah. Um, Kim, if you had to give advice to your 20 something self, what would it be? Keep in mind that like Rick, who is recording this and I are also in our 20s, and then imagine yourself when you're our age and something that you would have told yourself then. Oh, man. Um, gosh, that's a good one. 20-something self. Listen more. Shut up and listen. <laughs> like, you don't know everything. Like, and, I, and part of the, I think part of what made the reason 834 is still here is because, like, I was so bullheaded and, like, I was, like, I was naive. Um if I knew all the things that I know now, when I started my business, I think I would have been terrified. Um, but, 
uh, I would say, listen, just shut up and listen, learn from the people that are around you, surround yourself with like other strong, strong women. Um, my best friend, Sue and Adrian, um, they are the reason that 834 is here. There was a time when the doors got shut and I was like, I'll never do this again. My, my self-confidence and my self-esteem had taken a serious hit and they both lit fires under my ass and said, you're an idiot. You need to, you know, you need to do this. Like you can't let failure define you. Um, and then also fail, like fail and fail often. Like you, that's where you grow. That's where your biggest growth happens as a, as a individual is, you know, from failure, you know, and it's not fail failure. I hate that it's called failure. Um, because I don't think, I don't think it's a fail when, when something doesn't go your way or when, you know, something, you know, the outcome isn't what you expected or you played a part in something not succeeding. I don't, I think it's only a failure if you refuse to see that, you know, or grow out, out of it. Like if you don't grow because of that or in spite of that, then I, then I guess, yeah, it really is a failure. Um, mm -hmm. And then also like, don't let anybody else define you. Don't let any, don't let a male define you. Don't let other like professionals define you. Um, you're not going to be liked by everybody. That was a really hard for, thing for me. I wanted everybody to like me. I know. And it's funny because this is my personality. Um, <laughs> but like I did, I, I, you know, you just, I think that's like a females feel that inherently. I think sometimes more than um, our male counterparts is we have to be liked. We want to be liked. Um, and I remember, I remember um, and one of my, I think Sue said this to me, she's like, not everybody's going to like you get over it. Um, and then if you surround yourself with people like that, that aren't going to put up with your bullshit and we'll call you out on it. Like, that's the best thing that you could ever do. Do not surround yourself with yes people, surround yourself with people that will truly, truly challenge you because they, they love you and, and they want what's best for you. But they also know sometimes that they, you need a swift kick in the ass. Yeah. I remember the first time that I had ever met Adrian. I thought the two of you had like some sort of beef between you because at the time oh, you guys yeah. are just being like super super honest and you're like no we're mm -hmm. best friends that's just how we mm -hmm. talk to each other like 100 yeah, percent. like i'm like you're a pain in my ass she's like well you're a pain in my ass like but you know what <laughs> like you know i would do anything for her and she would do anything for me and i think we have a brutally honest relationship um and i think those are the best relationships that you can have regardless if it's you know it doesn't matter what sex you are. I think you need to surround yourself with people that aren't going to blow smoke up your ass because that will never serve you. You might like it, but it doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is terrible with that metaphor. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. You might like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you called yourself out on that one. So I didn't have to. <laughs> it's fine. We'll just let it slide. Um, on that note also, you've been a mentor like a, to a bunch of people. Like you have a, you've had a lot of past interns. You talk at Grand Valley. I mean, you have all of us and we're all in our twenties and very impressionable. Um, who, who in your life has been a mentor in the industry or outside of the industry for you? Um, so definitely Sue and Adrian, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Sue, uh, gave me the kick in the ass I needed to get 834 back up and going in 20, I think it was 2010. Um, and I would not have done it without her. Uh, she gave me office space that I paid nothing for. Um, I was able to use her printers and her paper and she made it, she, you know, made introductions for me and, um, she was just all around supportive, but not like, not like, like nurturing or coddling, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, Adrian, I remember I met Adrian through Derek, who is her um, husband, and I'd known him for a while in the industry. And he said, uh, I would like you to meet my girlfriend because they were 
they were dating at the time, you're either going to love her or hate her. <laughs> and he said the same thing to Adrian. And we met. And uh, that's when I had started 834 back up. And she was like, you need me. And I was like, I can't pay you. And she was like, I'll work for free. And I was like, okay. And so, um, and that was like, she was very instrumental in growing us into the next stage where, you know, we could hire employees. Um, let's see, uh, other strong females, uh, Lisa Young, uh, she works for West Michigan woman. She's been around forever. Uh, I think some of the, the, the females I admire, um, on like a national level, uh, Megan Rapino, she's a fucking badass. Um, Abby Wambach, it's weird that these are soccer players, but um, <laughs> I, I do think that they're they're awesome. Um, they've also written books that are amazing. Uh, let's see. Um, I think those about, are probably, oh, no, go ahead. I'll just say, can we talk about that time that you met Megan Rapino? Can we just tell that story in case oh, you haven't been on the podcast before? so awkward. Embrace your awkwardness. Um, yeah, so we were in... Miami because we were going to catch a cruise and they were in our same hotel and I'd seen um oh I seen Lindsay I can't remember Lindsay last name anyways and I saw one of the players and I was like wait a second Allie and Allie's getting married here so like they've got like they, this must be where they're all staying sure enough so I saw one of them and then we went and uh uh, we came down the next morning for like breakfast and like we, we, when we got, we got off the elevator and I turned to say something to Josh and out walked like Sue Bird and Megan Rapino And I was like, <gasps> and I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And that's what I did. I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And Josh was like, are you having an attack? What is happening? And I was like, Oh my God, Megan Rapinoe's right behind you. And he's like, turns around. He's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, okay. 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 And I knew that they were probably so hungover from the wedding because they had been out like, you know, partying all night, whatever. And I was like, I, what do I say? What do I say? I was like, I gotta say something. So I just walked up to her super awkwardly. And I was like, um, I, I'm not going to bother you. Cause I know you're probably hungover from the wedding and, and like, you probably get this all the time, but I just have to tell you that I love you. And you're like my hero. And then I just walked away and I didn't even wait for her to say anything. And I left for Josh there. And he was like, Hey, all right. <laughs> And then he just walked away. <laughs> so, and that was my entire interaction. Oh, I also told Sue Bird that I love her too. So not weird at all. Not weird so all. awesome though. Yeah. And then I proceeded to try and spy on them in the room that they were in. So oh, what? I like pretended I was on the phone with somebody. I wasn't. Actually, I was. I called my friend Kat because she's the one I always watch soccer with. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. And she's like, can you get a picture? And I was like, I'm not that person. I've already been creepy enough. So, yeah. You said while spying on their room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were in like a room eating. And I was like, I wonder if I could just like hop in there. Maybe I could disguise myself as a waitress. Do you think anybody would notice? Probably. Maybe a wedding crashed that wedding. Like imagine that. Oh my gosh. That. Oh, that would have been amazing. I'd be in jail probably still. To yeah, day, but it'd be worth so. it. Yeah, totally worth it. Oh my God. She's amazing. I love her. That actually yeah, so. segues really well into another question that we had, which mm -hmm. <laughs> alarmingly well, which is if you were ever to go to jail, what would it be for <laughs> other than crashing that wedding? Oh gosh. It would totally be beating up somebody who's being mean. Totally. Like Absolutely. in general or like to a dog? <laughs> Both. Oh, Fair. also probably stealing a dog. Let's be honest. Cause I've actually <laughs> done that. Wait, I mean, <laughs> we don't need to go into details. It's not true. Anybody. I totally made that up. I didn't dress all in black one time and, and then crawl under a deck to try and get a dog. That never happened. So I don't know what anybody's talking about if they said that. Um, yeah. Uh, 
it's weird because people have like actually reached out to me and like there's this dog on this street over here and we don't think it's being taken care of. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with this information? I was like, well, I know what you want me to do this with, the, with this information. It's something that I'm going to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so totally that. Um, I always said the people that like um, really bothered me are the ones that like get a dog and are like, oh, this dog is our world and our life. And then they have a kid and they discard the dog. And that just makes me angry. So like, that's not something that a placeholder for your child. It's not like, you don't just get it because like, it seems fun at the time. Like that's a commitment you make for the rest of that dog's life. So Mm-hmm. That makes me mad. I've gotten in arguments with people about that before. I know we're all surprised, but yeah, totally dog abuse. Or like if I just saw somebody being an asshole, like you see some of these horrific videos, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're just getting worked up. Just thinking about yeah, it. violence. <laughs> it would be for violence of some sort. I would be in jail. And again, no one's surprised by that answer. Could it be like noble violence? I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I suddenly become a vigilante. Yes, you'll be like the next social media star. I did um, chase a guy down the highway one time because he hit a dog and didn't stop. Wait, seriously? Oh, yeah, that's a bad story. Yeah, I was going to our old office and um, there's this do- This guy was walking his dog and he was doing- on the crosswalk and the light was, you know, the light was red. So I was on the other side of the intersection and he was, you know, he was on the opposite side and he was just walking his dog across the street and there was a guy in a truck that was taking a, a right-hand turn and he didn't look or whatever and he ran the dog over as the guy was walking the dog and almost hit the guy and i saw it and like the guy didn't stop so i ran through the stoplight and then got on the expressway i can tell you right where this happened on ann street going 131 north and proceeded to chase him all the way to rockford honking Apparently, I called the cops on me and said some crazy person was following him, because um, I was. And then I, uh, I called the cops and they said they were going to send send somebody that I need, or they had officers in the area and they were going to send send somebody. And I told them where the accident happened. Um, then I went back, and when I got back to the gas station, um, the dog had passed and was in a box. And at the same, the, 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 the wife had pulled up at that same time. And so like, I just watched them bawling and I remember I called the cops again and I said, Hey, I'm here. Nobody showed up. And they said, yeah, we don't send cops for those things or we won't send an officer for something like that. And I was like, I will fucking, this is, this is going, this is going viral. And so I remember telling them, I said, um, Hey, like the cops are totally like pursuing this or they're sending somebody after them. Like I got a license plate and everything. They didn't, they refused to. So when I got back to my office, um, I put it on social media and I have a friend that was a private investigator and she tracked down who that individual was who happened to be a business owner. Um, and let's just say the internet took over. And um, uh, I remember I reached, I got, a, I got contacted by some of the local media um, about it. And so they eventually tracked down the guy. Um, I don't condone this, but he was apparently getting threats before calling him. Um, long story short, he, uh, the cops just finally got involved because of another individual I know who is a reporter and said, um, called personally, like the police chief and said, this isn't going to go away. And you, you don't really understand the lengths that she will go to. (laughs) So, they did track down the um, they tracked down the individual because the PI found him, and um, and then reached out and they connected the two parties and and the gentleman who'd lost his dog, um, 
didn't didn't want to press charges, but asked that a donation be made to the Humane Society. So that individual did that. And then I went on after it had happened and I did delete like all the stuff because I didn't, he didn't need to be called out anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I do personally think he knew what he did, um, but he, he said he had no idea. And I don't know how you run over a 45 pound dog and not realize it. So, um, and then the good thing that came out of it is, so the Humane Society does an event that's called um, Bark in the Dark, but it was Bark in the Park. And it started out of that and is actually started by the, the guy who, um, who owned the dog, who the dog had passed. And so oh. he started that event as a way to get back to the Humane Society. And then that's taken off and now it's like Bark in the Dark. So good stuff does come out of that, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be a vigilante cause I already was a vigilante, but <laughs> I do remember getting to the office and just bawling. Cause it was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. I mean, I just yeah, watched absolutely. like, it was just awful. So that sticks with me. I had to avoid that intersection for probably three, four years. And it was the most direct route to the office. And I still think about it every time I drive past that. And that was like easily eight, nine years ago. So I don't blame you. Yeah. Whenever I've seen animals get clipped on the side, like especially domestic animals, like driving past that space, that's what you think of forever. Mm -hmm. Like shout out to you. The other day in a funny story, the other day um, in our yard, there was like a little bunny out with his mom and there was like these crows, which crows are kind of dicks. I don't think I realized that, but Mm -hmm. so it was trying to go after the, the little bunny and like, you know, it's not like the mom bunny has like claws or could do anything. So Josh went out there and picked the bunny up and moved it into our neighbor's yard. And that bunny now lives on our, our front porch or under our front porch. And I Aww. told Josh, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he thinks you're his mom. So, cause he doesn't, he lives right there. He won't, he will not like, he came back from that yard and now lives like in our little area. And Josh was like, should I put water out for it? I was like, I don't know. How do they get water? I don't know anything about bunnies. Like do some research. So Think you're yeah. adopting a bunny now. That's awesome. Yeah, right. I was like, can we bring it in? Can it be our our sixth animal? He's like, no. I was like, okay, well, that's fair enough. Some bunnies get to be the size of dogs. So Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Do you imagine yeah. my dogs with it? Sarge would be like, Yeah. Yeah. Erica's like, no way. Yeah. I had a rabbit that was the same size as my dog, and like my dog always tried to play with it. Like it didn't understand. Yeah, they think it, yeah, they think it's like a they're yeah, a stuffed animal, a stuffy, as you and I like to call it. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Kim, I'm going to give you our last question here because I feel like that yes. kind of ties into everything here. What inspired you to start rescuing dogs and why have they become your life's obsession? Oh gosh, that's, you know, to put it mildly. Um, so I remember when I rescued Bentley and I got him from the Kent County Animal Shelter and he was a terrible puppy. He was horrible. Oh. Um, he ate everything. He peed on everything. Like he was just terrible. Um, but he was also like the funniest dog in the entire world and, um, truly was my best friend. And then, um, we got Murphy, the Doberman. And then I just remember like looking and seeing, like, there's just so many dogs out there that needs homes. And a lot of them, like Dobermans are hard, are not an easy breed. And so you, so many of them just get dumped or like people won't work with them. And I think it's just so sad when you give up on an animal because like, it's not easy. Um, and so we've adopted or rescued um, a lot of dogs that have had like issues, like, you know, Parker had cancer um, and Jimmy was old um, and Buddy was blind. I mean, like the list goes on and on. And I just think it's it's hard to adopt those dogs that you know are not, you won't have for long, um, but, 
knowing that their last few years um, were like the best that they could have. Uh, I mean, we, we packed them, all seven of them in a car and drove them down to Florida so they could experience the beach, which by the way, was oh. like the worst time to go. It was 40 degrees in Florida. Oh, I was gosh. like, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, the most peace stops were because of Josh. It wasn't because of the dogs. So I was like, we're never doing this with you again. I will just bring the dogs. But that was just cool, you know, like, and everyone's mm -hmm. like, that's crazy traveling with seven dogs. I mean, all of our buying decisions are based on the dogs. Like, do we have a big enough vehicle? Um, can we fit all of them in this camper? Or do we have a 20 acres in a cabin? Like, so I don't know. I think, uh, I think for us, it's just the, it, it's the joy of knowing that you've, you've given a dog the best life you can give it. And because I think so many people just dump dump their animals and I just think it's horrible. So I don't know really how I started doing it, but I'm a, oh, I'll tell you, Facebook totally screwed me. Like I finally had to delete it off my phone. Like Josh was like, stop following all these rescue groups. And I was like, I can't. And so I, I not only would I give you all my money, but I was like, I will take your dog as well. And then people started calling me and were like, do you want this yeah. dog? And I was like, yes. So <laughs> that's how I ended up with seven, but. My favorite was when Joey came and you're like, I'm not going to adopt this dog. And then like a no. day later, we were like, so that's your dog now, right? And you're like, yeah. yeah. We are like, yeah, it's my dog. You guys all knew. Everyone knew. Even Josh oh, knew. knew. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I start all of them. Just going to foster. Yeah. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to get this dog. Forget you. So. Like a serial yeah. foster fail. But that's mm -hmm. good. hundred percent. Well, Kim, we normally end out our uh, podcast saying how people can follow you on social. Um, we've they know how to follow 834. So let's actually yes. promo your other things. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bodie 834, every once in a while I tweet like once a month. Um, actually I've been more, I mostly just retweet things that make me angry. So, um, that's, I guess, fun to follow. And Instagram is all dogs. That's also Bodie 834. So you can check that out. Uh, Facebook, I'm not really on that as much because it's kind of, you know, I like it for Bucks. business, our business, but like, man, so many people are, are just, it's just kind of stressful for, I think your own mental health, you should stay away from it. And I'm not on TikTok or anything cool like that. Cause nobody wants to see that. So. And also it might be banned anyway. So yeah, well, you know, unless Microsoft then, buys it, we'll see. That's true. You also have small biz musings. Let's not forget that. Oh, which is yes. that's where I write about my small biz journey and also tell people that or tell women that they need to, you know, be more aggressive <laughs> in general and also not so hard on themselves. Yeah. For like, real. We had to talk yeah. about that in the office about negative self-talk. Yeah. Like boost yourself yeah, we're up. Harder, yeah, we're harder on each other, on ourselves than anybody. Like nobody even, nobody else even has a chance to be mean because we're the meanest <laughs> to ourselves. Like, I mean, at least give somebody else a fair shake at it. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on. Stop being selfish. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we should just start all like, like being mean to each other and then it'll eliminate the negative self-talk. Yeah, there you go. Be like, me I got you. I got yeah, a good one for you. <laughs> Here's mm -hmm. a good insult. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you for being on the flip side here of our 50th episode. That is a long and lot of times of podcasting. That's not how that sentence yeah. works. You know what I meant. Yeah, um, we got you. I'm so much better in writing than speech. I know. Yeah. We can't, we can't edit this. Like do I not know. edit this. Never edit I bring anything, this up right? again, ever. <laughs> um, Kim, you have officially been hustled and go, oh, I can't, I can't say do it. it. You got to do say it. Say it. Say it. Until next Come time, hustlers, we will see you on the download. Yes! <laughs>